It's July 3rd, 2019. Welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum, and first up, we've got Rafael Gassel Sinclair from the University of Hawaii's Office of Technology Transfer, and he's here to tell us about some upcoming entrepreneur workshops. And then we have Christina Jane, and she is with the Coral Restoration Nursery. She is a coral specialist over there. And I've uh, invited her here to tell us a little bit about the rare coral outplanting and coral palooza. I just like saying coral palooza. First up, I want to let you know that the uh, machine learning meetup is taking place this uh, Saturday. It's the summer study session. So it's going to be taking place over at the Impact Hub from 1030 to 1130. And uh, they will be reviewing Andrew Ng's course uh, that is currently available on Coursera, and it is about, again, machine learning. And I will post uh, that link up on the show notes later on this evening for you all that are interested. Now I'm happy to have Raphael Gassel Sinclair, and he's with the, of course, uh, UH Office of Technology Transfer. And I wanted to gather up uh, some background on, on what's happening with the office and, of course, these upcoming Entrepreneur Workshop. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here, Bart. So well, the um, the uh, Office of Technology Transfer, it's uh, it's gone through some some evolution as yes. long as you know I, I've been aware of the office, and and you're re- re- rather new to the office as well. So give me a little bit about what the office is. You know, how is it changing, and and what do you do there? Thank you very much. Uh, our Office of Technology Transfer. Uh, for those that don't know, we're responsible for managing and commercializing intellectual property that's developed at all 10 campuses of the University of Hawaii. Intellectual property, for those who aren't familiar, is patents, trademarks, and copyrights for university discoveries and inventions. My role is to help university professors who have their startups or who are wanted patents that they need to be prosecuted or, and license. So that's my role. I also work with some other contracts that, that we do. But some of the main functions of our office are we help the faculty, students, and staff researchers dis- identify their inventions and disclose them to our office. We will protect those discoveries and those inventions with patents, trademarks, and other means. We will market those discoveries and inventions to companies who will make useful products to sell to the public. We will also help our researchers with their startup companies go through our several accelerator programs to help them succeed with their companies. Such of those such accelerator programs are, of course, the Pacific Asian Center for Entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. the iLab, and the Accelerate UH. One of our other important functions that we do is we educate and we advise University of Hawaii faculty, staff, and students on intellectual property matters. So in terms of the uh, commercialization part, so I understand how you might want to maybe market it to companies to pick up the intellectual property. But yes. when the when the uh, originators, the founders, they want to start their own business, yes. uh, usually the accelerators go through a selection process. So yes. it's not a guarantee that you it's would not. necessarily get into those accelerators. Are there other types of avenues that they could pursue if they perhaps didn't get into the uh, accelerator? Absolutely. If they don't get into the accelerator program, they can still form their 
own company. And here in Hawaii, we have an amazing organization called the the Hawaii uh, Small Business Development Center. Mm-hmm. They will help them with their company, will help them how to set up an accounting system, will provide consulting services for them, and there's no limit as to how many hours of consulting services they can get. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the thing that caught my interest was the fact that you are supporting and, and marketing some of the upcoming workshops. And normally, I I know that the, the office has uh, oftentimes done some presentations and got people in front of an audience and they did pitches and get them familiar, get the audience familiar with what is going on over at the university. Uh, but uh, I've, I've um, not heard of or maybe been in the pipeline of some of these workshops that you are now promoting. So maybe tell us a little bit about some of these upcoming workshops. Yes, I, I, I would love to. This month we have three upcoming amazing workshops, and I encourage every one of you to come. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first workshop that we have is, is, six, is, a, is a workshop consisting of six courses that will teach you how to um, start your own business, how to market your, your products, market your services, how to come up with a name for your company, how to get money for your company, and how to help your company succeed with marketing on social media. And the last part of the co- course focuses on creating a short pitch to promote your products and services. Now, this six-part course is being offered by Honolulu Community College. Mm-hmm. It starts on July 8th and ends on July 24th, and the classes are going to be on Mondays and Wednesdays from 4.30 to 6 p.m. Now, the cost of this course is only $75 if you're a UH system student. For everyone else, it's only $125. Parking is also free. And if you want to register for this course, you'll have to go to honolulu.hawaii.com dot edu slash entrepreneur okay. or call 845-9296. For the other two courses, I will tell you later on how to register for those. So uh, real quickly, because we're running out of time here, so, but uh, tell me what uh, other courses are coming up. You got a trademark basic course? Yes, that's at Cop- Copulani Community College. And here entrepreneurs and small business owners will learn what trademarks are, why trademarks are important, and how federal trademark registration can help and grow their business. That's going to be at Copico Building, rooms 127B and 128B. The fee is only $10 for university students and $15 for everyone else. Our renowned presenter for that seminar is going to be Jason Lott. He's an advisor, attorney advisor, for the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And to register for that, I'll tell you how to register for that class uh, later on today, Today, but that's July 10th. So then then, uh, the third one that's coming up? The third one that's coming up is uh, our Office of Technology Transfer is putting on this 90-minute presentation. It's called Introduction to Patents and Other IP Options. And here you'll learn about the basics of patents, protecting your IP, and commercialization strategies for your IP. That's going to take place at the iLab on July 16th from 9 to 10.30 a.m. And we're, our distinguished speaker for that course is Jane Massey-Licata, who has her own IP firm, who's a, got a Ph.D. from UH Manoa, and who teaches FDA law and patent law at Rutgers and Drexel University School of Law. 
Well, I'll put up the show notes, uh, uh, the links to each of these uh, workshops later on this evening, so you can catch that uh, on the show notes. And thanks, uh, Rafael, for joining us. Okay. Can I say one more thing to register for those last two courses? You got to send us an email at uhott at hawaii.edu, or call us at nine five six. 9024. And, and that last course is free. Okay, thanks a lot. And of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Christina Jane, Coral Specialist over at the Coral Restoration Nursery. Don't go away. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Island Insurance, and Sacred Hearts Academy. I listen to Hawaii Public Radio for the news because it brings us closer to the world around us. Couldn't begin my day or end my day without knowing what's happening in the world. And being here in the middle of the Pacific, it's comforting to know that there is the world out there and that we can hear all their news. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marsh Cafe. Now joining us is Christina Jane, and she is a coral specialist over at the Coral Restoration Nursery, which is part of the Department of Land and Natural Resources, Division of Aquatic Resources. Welcome to Bite Marsh Cafe. Hi, Bert. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I, you know, I, I, I just love the name Coral Palooza. Uh, <laughs> and I was wondering, uh, I know this was a national kind of event on Ocean Day, right? Yes, that's correct. It was actually an international event. And so what was it that they were trying to, I mean, who was the organizers behind Coral Palooza and what what were they trying to accomplish? So Coral Palooza was actually started in Florida by the Coral Restoration Foundation. They're one of the biggest coral restoration organizations. And originally it was just in Florida, but they've been expanding to be national and now international. Um, So this event was centered around coral nurseries around the world, which are helping to restore uh, damaged reefs Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, reefs that may need a little extra help. And so this was centered around World Oceans Day. So June 7th and 8th, just last month, um, was kind of a call to all of these nurseries around the world to kind of have a big push to uh, outplant all their coral babies um, onto reefs. So it wasn't really, I mean, it was really spe- uh, specific for the nurseries and, and not not really too many, you know, general public could necessarily participate. Um, yes. Yeah, so it, it was kind of dependent on the nursery. Uh, for example, here in Hawaii, we have very strict protections mm-hmm. for our coral. Um, Florida is a little bit different. So the Coral Restoration Foundation, um, if you, you know, sign some waivers, you can volunteer as one of their divers and, and help. Here it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Hawaii is also pretty unique in, in how we deal with coral nurseries. And out of the uh, – I know that uh, when I pulled up the, the uh, flyer and also went to the Coralpalooza website, uh, the Division of Aquatic Resources was, like, prominently positioned on there. So <laughs> I think, I think you know, the folks were, uh, 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 you know, a strong participant or maybe even a sponsor of this event. Yes, we uh, we weren't uh, quite sponsoring the event, but uh, we, we definitely did participate, and uh, it was great to participate in this event. Yeah. So do you think this is a kind of a, an annual thing? I mean, this is the first time I've heard of it, heard of it but uh, do you think it'll be something that is going to be done next year as well? 
Um, most likely, again, where we kind of partner in Coral Restoration with the Coral Restoration Foundation for this event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that they've had it in the past centered more on um, their work in the Caribbean. Um, but yes, hopefully moving forward, uh, we, we would definitely participate in this event again. Oh, great, great. So, you know, I got a chance, uh, fortunately for me, I was, you know, I went to the uh, the, the nursery over in San Island. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe you can describe a little bit about, you know, what that whole experience is. I mean, you, you've you been there for a year or so? Uh, yeah, just a, a little under a year. And mm-hmm. so tell me, what's uh, what's that, ex- do you, you know, what's that experience like? It's it's like living in the aquarium. <laughs> um, A little bit, a little bit, yeah. So our facility on Sand Island is actually just kind of a little corner of uh, a Nui Nui Fisheries Research Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically our goal at the nursery is to fast grow corals faster than they would grow in the wild. So Hawaii's corals are very unique. Well, first of all, we have a lot of endemic corals. So we have a lot of corals um, that grow only in Hawaii and they're found nowhere else in the world. Um, And also corals in Hawaii grow very, very slowly. So for example, um, the corals that the Coral Restoration Foundation is working with in Florida, or um, say corals on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, those Corals grow a lot faster than the ones in Hawaii. Hawaii, our uh, growth rate is around one to two centimeters a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, compare that to other areas in the world, and it can be 15 to 25 centimeters a year. So we definitely have some some slowpoke corals here. Um, so that's why we here in Hawaii have a different nursery compared to other areas. So we have a land-based nursery. So uh, other nurseries often grow their corals in the ocean, which, if you think about it, would make sense. Um, but Hawaiian corals, since they grow so slowly, uh, we want to speed up that growth. Mm-hmm. So the way we do that is by taking those corals actually out of the ocean and giving them an even better environment to grow. So we essentially uh, we grow them in aquariums or in large tanks, and uh, we give them the five-star hotel treatment. Um, so, so we give them, yeah. I'm gonna. I, 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 you just set me up for this question. No so worries. what is what is included in the five star, and how did you determine what the five star treatment was going to be? Yeah. So uh, again, the five star treatment. We want to give the corals the best environment so that they can focus their energy on growth. Um, so we control for water quality. So again, we make sure they're not they don't have dirty water. We supplement the water. We essentially give them you know, the equivalent of, you would say, vitamins and minerals. So Mm -hmm. we we add calcium to the water so that they can use that to grow their skeletons faster. Um, We feed them. We give them, we have custom lighting to give them the best best lighting that they can grow at. Um, And we have custom filtration systems, uh, the whole shebang, so that they can really have the best environment so that they can grow as fast as possible. So, in terms of the uh, the polyps, the, you know, the the keiki that you're mm-hmm. you're uh, gathering, where are they gathered, and how do you uh, how do you know that you have enough of them to to start to propagate? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So, again, in Hawaii, since corals grow so slowly uh, naturally, we we don't want to go out to a reef and collect a bunch of coral because. Uh, in essence, we're still damaging that reef by collecting that coral. It's mm-hmm. going to take, you know, years and years for that to grow back. So what we do is we collect coral from harbors. So uh, the way we decided that was we thought, okay, well, what's the difference between a coral that's growing in a harbor 
and a coral that's growing out on a natural reef. So if you think about the value of coral reefs in general, um, you know, if you were to try and put a dollar number on it. So Hawaiian reefs, for example, um, across the state are estimated to be worth about $36 billion a year. And where is that number coming from? That is from uh, services and functions that the reef provides. So if you think of, um, you know, you think of like a forest. So with all those trees, you know, you have animals that live in those trees. Um, you have people using that wood, similar uh, in a coral reef. So you have people uh, fishing. And without the coral reef, there, there wouldn't be as much fish. Um, especially in Hawaii, it's very important that the reefs just having that kind of barrier around our islands um, really protects a lot from coastal erosion. So that's where um, a lot of that dollar value is coming from. And then, of course, we have a lot of visitors who come to our islands um, to enjoy the natural beauty that our reefs provide. So so the, the actual polyps are collected from the harbors. Yes. Because, the, you know, that's probably a, a, maybe a more um, challenging environment for them to propagate or grow. But how do you find the, I would think that maybe the rare corals aren't in the harbors mm -hmm. because, you know, it's such a challenge to grow there anyway. They would be more challenged uh, to survive. So are the rare corals also found in the harbors? So, yeah, that's that's a good question. So we collect from harbors because corals in the harbors are not providing those same ecosystem uh, services and functions as one out on the reef, right? But exactly, you can't find every coral live in a harbor. Mm -hmm. Some corals they don't like dirty water. So they would much rather live out on a natural reef. So what we do is if we have to collect from a natural reef, um, we will we will take from that reef, but we will essentially mitigate for our own collection. So what we will do is essentially what, what we do in general is we will take uh, a, a small colony, a 10 centimeter size coral colony, mm -hmm. and our end result is a 42 centimeter colony. So that's kind of our our beginning to end. That's what we outplant back onto damaged reefs. So for rare corals or for corals we can't find in harbors, what we do is instead of collecting that 10 centimeter piece, we actually collect double. We collect 20 centimeters, which sounds weird at first, but I'm getting there. Okay. Um, so what we do is we split up that 20 into two 10 centimeter pieces and we grow two 40 centimeter uh, 42 mm -hmm. centimeter colonies. So we, we basically get two of our modules, we call them, uh, modules from this piece. And what we will do is we will take one module and we will plant it back at where we collected the coral. So we're actually, we're kind of like borrowing that coral for a year. And we when we outplant that coral back, we're actually outplanting a bigger coral to our reg original um, collection site. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then our other module we use for our... Um, our original degraded outplant site. Okay, so then, so one is kind of the uh, the I don't know control group, but they provide you with the uh, you grow them, you plant them back out, and then the mm -hmm. second one is the one that stays kind of in the lab and is your source material for continued, I guess, propagation of those corals. Um, not quite. We don't purposely keep corals back that we've outplanted. Like if we have our source material, so that 10 centimeters. Say if we collect a coral that is bigger than 10 centimeters, mm -hmm. then we'll, you know, we'll, maybe we can get two, maybe even three um, modules out of that. Um, and so we're not, 
we don't purposely save like 20 centimeters oh, of it. Okay, so so you're really just taking 10 and growing it to 42 and then taking the 42 and planting it out. Yes. So it's not, I mean, is it scalable? Is it scalable? Um, yeah, so so basically, I guess I, I can go over kind of our um, step-by-step process. So Well, maybe we will save that. Yes. Because... Uh, <laughs> That's your uh, next question. <laughs> well, you know, actually... I want to hold that thought because mm-hmm. we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Christina Jane about outplanting corals and coral palooza. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Christina Jane about raising and outplanting rare corals. Right before the break, we were talking about the, um, you know, getting 10 centimeter samples, growing them to 42. And the question is, how does that scale? Because if you really want to re, you know, restore a reef, I mean, I'm thinking you need a lot more than just one 42 size coral. So how does this scale? Exactly. So, first of all, um, we we don't just do one forty-two centimeter. We do uh, multiple. But also, one of our uh, newest projects that we're working on is actually doing a one meter size. So, growing out uh, coral to a one meter size coral, which again, our forty-two centimeter colonies were already the first of their kind. No one else is outplanting corals this large. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is outplanting small pieces, but in Hawaii, that doesn't work. So, we had to go bigger. So since bigger is better, now we are kind of advancing and we're we're working on doing, uh, we actually just started a few weeks ago working on our first uh, one meter size coral colonies that we will outplant. So how how long did it take you to get one meter? Like from, uh, from you know, like from the 10 centimeter to the 42 to the one meter? How, mm-hmm. how long? What, what time frame are we talking about? So for our 42 and also our one meter, um, from collecting the coral to outplanting, it takes about one year. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you think about that in terms of coral growth, we are basically growing a 42-centimeter coral in one year in what it would take 20 to 25 years to, t- uh, to grow in the wild. And, and how, many, how many of these, uh, let's say, 10-centimeter samples or you know, uh, keiki are you, are you starting with? Is it, is it like 5, 10, 100? I mean, what's, what's the number? Um, it kind of depends. So it depends on our collection sites and the project. So we're kind of uh, tend to be more project-based. So uh, we will collect whatever we are uh, you know, legally obligated to collect. Mm-hmm. So a past project, uh, they want us to collect you know, every coral that was over 10 centimeters um, and yeah, under a certain size. So now, is there is there something special about the substrate that you plant them on in the lab so that they can establish themselves? Is there some special sort of form that you use? Yes. So, uh, so when we grow the coral um, in our aquariums, we don't just put one. We don't just put the piece in the tank mm-hmm. and watch it grow, um, because if you think corals only grow on the outside perimeter, so what we wanted to do is we wanted to grow them faster. So what we do is, since coral is a colonial organism, if you cut a coral in half, you now have two coral colonies. So we essentially did that, but we cut them into very small pieces and we glue them, actually, 
um, onto our concrete modules. So I call them modules because they are actually uh, pyramid shaped. Mm -hmm. And we specifically um, chose that pyramid shape so that when we would outplant them in the wild, they're more similar to their natural growth shape, which is kind of a boulder. And um, that slope allows corals to grow, but also um, sediment will not collect on top of them and they're not going to get tipped over or ripped off the reef from wave action. I'm curious. Uh, I, I um, was I'm hearing these things about you know these super corals. So mm-hmm. what, what, what made you decide for the rare corals versus the super corals? So there's, uh, there's various groups looking into super corals right now. Um, I think there was an article a little while ago about super corals in uh, Waimanalo or Kaneohe Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not a research facility, so we're not looking into the genetics of the corals that we outplant. But what we do aim for, we select the species we outplant um, to be reef building corals. Um, so they're going to contribute to the reef structure, um, cor- corals that we find in the area that we're going to outplant. Um and we also want not just one species of coral, we want multiple. So we want to keep that biodiversity. So we're outplanting multiple species of, of coral, yes. So uh, when the uh, Coralpalooza Ocean Day occurred, mm-hmm. what was it like to actually take these 42 or 1 meter uh, specimens out to wherever you decided to plant them? Um, it requires a boat. <laughs> I'll say that. Probably a couple of people as well, right? Yes, yes. Um, so we do have our dive teams. Um, essentially, we go out and we have a lot of maybe things you wouldn't think that you would need for coral restoration, like laundry baskets um, to hold our modules in. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is our, our divers go down and we do a, we do a survey. So we choose our area so that we can find a good spot to place our modules. We look at the surrounding coral, the surrounding area, if it would be a good spot. Um, And then we'll have our dive team go down. We lower down the uh, coral module, and we use marine-safe epoxy to secure it to the reef until the coral can grow down onto the reef naturally by itself. And do you uh, have a regular monitoring program where you would go back out and kind of see, maybe make an assessment as to how they're progressing? Yes. So we keep track of our corals um, from the day we collect them until uh, we outplant them and uh, pass that. So every coral that comes into our nursery has a tag, um, an ID tag. And so we track that coral throughout the nursery. So we know when we collected it, where, who collected it, um, what tank it was in, how it went through our nursery, was fragged, outplanted. Once it's outplanted, we do continue to monitor the health of uh, of our modules. So we'll check, you know, pretty soon after we outplanted, make sure the epoxy held mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and everything's okay. And then we continue to check on it. Um, and we will continue to check on it uh, pretty much until uh, we can't anymore. <laughs> now, I would imagine that uh, outplanting takes place more than just once a year on Ocean Day. When's your next outplanting? <laughs> Yes, so uh, Ocean Day, we did do two outplantings of the rare coral in Kaneohe Bay, and we also outplanted some other corals on another damaged reef site. Um, And so our next outplanting will, or our next project, we will be outplanting 220 of our modules. Um, And we have yet to schedule the exact date for that. Where can people find out or keep track of all the things that you guys are doing? 
Um, well, we're currently working on a, a new website, but for right now, um, they can check out the DNLR webpage. If they want to know more about Coral Palooza in particular, they can look at the Coral Restoration Foundation's website. Very good. Christina Jane is the Coral Specialist over at the Coral Restoration Nursery. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Bert. And thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk to the state's chief information officer. If you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime on the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. This year.